It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts, Brianna and Caleb. Listen in as they discuss the 2022 book, Our Wives Under the Sea. Here we are again, me and Brianna. It's been, I don't know, a fair little while since our last book review. But here we are returning for another book from 2022, Our Wives Under the Sea. I know that this is the debut novel for this author. Uh, what, what drew you to uh, check this one out? Did you read any of her short stories or just heard good things? No, I just saw some reviews that said it was good. And I mean, I just typically read new releases that get a lot of press. So I already had it on my on my my list to be read. Well, I, I go through the list of new releases that are like, uh, you know, anticipated. And I mm. uh, I choose the ones that I think the the premise looks interesting. And I add them to my list and then I read them. Yeah. And the premise for this one, I guess I can give a little bit of a, a summary, maybe not spoilers up front, but we'll probably get into spoilers as we as we go along. Mm. But we have two POVs that the story centers around, uh, just kind of going back and forth each chapter. Or I guess not really chapter, but just each tiny little segment. Why not a chapter? Well, I don't know. They seem so short, but I guess, or at least some of them do. Some of them. <laughs> that doesn't stop it from being a chapter. Either way, <laughs> semantics aside. <laughs> um, so we get two perspectives bouncing back and forth uh, between a wife and her returning wife who was on a undersea expedition which was only supposed to be for i think it was three weeks mm -hmm. but it ended up being six months and she came back kind of kind of fucked up she's you know she's bleeding from just about every orifice and she's had a lot of different personality changes and so we get the perspective of miri just kind of dealing with this sudden change in her life and trying to kind of mourn what's become of her wife and then we have leah's story which is on the bottom of the ocean, just kind of dealing with what happened over those six months when she's gone. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, there's a little bit of mystery, like, why did she come back different? You know, what happened to her when she was down there? And then on the other side with Mir, we have the, uh, yeah, that kind of more depressive <laughs> kind of quality. There's a lot of dwelling and, and sadness there. Mm -hmm. That carries us through through most of the book until we get some some little bits of revelation near the end, although not maybe as much as someone might expect. But well, what were your initial impressions then? Um, I liked it. I thought that um, the writing was really, really beautiful. And um, I thought that it was quite atmospheric and sad, but interesting. And I liked um, just like the sapphic love story but not very romantic, more sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I think I feel the same. Yeah, overall, I liked it. Um, I think the writing, like you said, was, was really pretty. And I like getting the two stories kind of jumping back and forth. I thought that had a really good pace to it. Mm -hmm. I think um, I generally like books that um, have, like, two different timelines where you kind of figure out what happened in the past as you progress through the story. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's uh, generally a good way to tell a story, at least a story that is kind of like a thriller or a mystery in some way. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I will say more intrigued with the, the kind of underwater section because I was really pulled in by the mystery. Mm -hmm. And maybe somewhere around like the middle of the book, I started getting like impatient every time we would switch, switch back to Miri. 
because so much of that stuff did feel kind of like it was dwelling in the same kind of stuff her being ups like sad about what's happened to her, her wife and then her kind of just reflecting on you know who who she is as a person in a way and how she interacts with people around her well it's it's trying to just it's trying to just show the the repetitiveness of her day-to-day life and what was going on yeah like it was it was like uh kind of like slow and and repetitive because that's how like things felt to her yeah like because every day was pretty much the same because she was just like so focused on 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 leo right Mm -hmm. but in that way it it left more room to for me to grip more onto the other side of the story because there was i felt like had a lot more kind of interesting stuff happening in the background and kind of building more i can understand but i will say i was i was pulled more more back into miri's story once uh uh, Yelka's sister showed up, mm-hmm. maybe in the last third, I think. I think that um, Mary's, uh, Mary's part of the book, while uh, I would agree that at times it was less interesting, was like ultimately more important, though, because, you know, it was kind of speaking a lot about the overall themes of the book, like trauma and grief, right? Yeah, yeah kind of dealing with... You know, a loved one who suddenly discovered this, or certain, or to suddenly develop this this illness out of nowhere. Like we see the kind of parallel with her uh, her mom as well. Mm-hmm. And I think in a lot of ways it was just like a different way to explore like loss and grief because I mean, uh, Leah was basically like like gone in a way when she came back. So she was yeah. like Mary was basically just like learning how to live without her even though she was still there which would be really yeah. hard and obviously uh even though this book is you know i don't know what you would call it but like not 100 percent realistic but like that is something that people a lot of the times deal with when you know they have um like loved ones with like a chronic illness or especially neurological issues which i think is what her mom had right and so yeah that was an interesting parallel to have the stuff with her mom in there yeah, and I was even thinking, because uh, I believe it was Leah who had the, uh, her dad died, and she felt like his spirit was kind of lingering around, and he wasn't really, like, speaking, it wasn't really him, but he was still just, like, this piece of him was, like, left there. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of a yeah, nice little parallel to what's happening currently, with the Miri side of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that stuff, that stuff was uh, quite interesting at the front of the book. But yeah, it was more the middle where I started to feel a little bit disengaged with it. But I will say, uh, since I have a little bit of hemophobia, all the descriptions of the her like bleeding out of everywhere, her eyes and her pores. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was making my skin crawl a little bit. Yeah, it was a little bit like um like body horror in a way. Yeah, yeah, and that expanded further as we yeah, get to like the third last third of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll just say from this point on we'll get into spoilers because, yeah, I think we both said that we, we quite liked it and we'd recommend it. Yeah. But yeah, we'll probably yeah spoil more of the mysteries as we go along from here. Um, but what do you think of the two? Because they're fairly different characters that we we get in terms of their perspectives on life, the way that they interact with, with other people. Mm-hmm. Like Mary, for example, they mentioned early on that her and her, I guess, best friend Carmen, although you wouldn't really tell it from the way that they interact in this book. Um, they're both like hypochondriacs. I thought that was unfortunate for for both Carmen that she ended up having some sort of weird, like blindness disease. Did they? Say? I wasn't quite clear on a number of what the diseases were that popped up out of nowhere. But her blindness one, I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. So she had that misfortune, and then Miri's mom and her wife ended up developing these weird diseases as well that made them deteriorate and and wash away. So so I thought that was. An interesting touch of at the front too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that um, it was definitely interesting seeing the two different point of views um, because, like for Mary's chapters, you know she felt um, like very passive, like she was just like observing everything that was going on. Um, mm-hmm. Which is also true for uh, Leah's chapters, but uh, it was different because 
like Miri like could have done a lot more but chose not to whereas Leah like all she could do was be passive in in the place that she was in mm-hmm. yeah she was still trying to because because she was trapped down there with two other people Mateo and Yelka and she had to be like kind of the intermediary at some point between them because they're both I think they started to both kind of spiral before she did trap down there and so she would try to bring them back and try to be just like a grounding presence for the two of them because Mateo I think he was more just having like anger issues like he just kept getting irritated and being confused and was kind of losing it in that way whereas Yelka was starting to like there was like a voice that she would always hear she could hear it anywhere in the ship and she was always trying to get the others to like do you guys hear this what is this and there was a big sound that they all hear but she could only hear the voice at least at first mm-hmm. and, and also um what did you think about the the role that catholicism played in that part of the book uh i don't know if i have too much thoughts i thought it was was interesting but i wasn't fully sure what they were going for with it there mm-hmm. how about you well that's why i was asking you because i didn't understand yeah well i'm i'm the same way i wasn't quite sure what they were going with there and they even because uh, Yelka tells this story about how she was told by her pastor, like, or her priest, I should say. Because she thought when she was a child that she had a, a ghost haunting her house. Mm-hmm. But the ghost was talking to her. And the priest was like, ghosts don't talk. If it's speaking to you, it's something else. And probably a demon. And so then, yeah, we have this voice outside the, the sub speaking to her. And yeah, it kind of wraps up in, is it a demonic presence? And she's got this little little figurine of a, a saint a seafaring saint i think it was saint augustine mm-hmm. and she's always like keeping that next to her as i guess like a protective kind of influence but yeah i wasn't sure what the overall like thematic purpose of what that was meant to and it was also be. interesting how um like she originally wanted to be a priest but because she was a woman she couldn't be so she became like a marine biologist or whatever she was instead which is interesting like that and she was like, yeah, like, I didn't, like, it wasn't, like, my passion at all. Yeah, I thought that was sad, and at the same time, like, well, what'd you expect? Because she was like, oh, I was hoping, you know, eventually they, they would turn around. But it's like, uh, I don't, I'm pretty sure that's, that's never going to turn around, but. <laughs> well, you, you don't know that. I mean, things change. There's no reason to think that things never will. Uh, that one is, that one's a pretty fundamental piece, though. Lots of things that seem fundamental ultimately end up changing. Well, I guess we'll see. Or we won't, because we'll probably be dead by the time anything <laughs> like that would happen. But, but yeah, no, I did like that just as a little piece of texture in there. Mm-hmm. I feel like, uh, on the other hand, the the other person, Mateo, like, we didn't really like get to understand them at all. Yeah, I felt the same way. Like, I, I feel like I enjoyed both those two characters, but he definitely felt like it was more just I enjoyed the interactions like he had a nice voice to him but in terms of a character yeah I really didn't know anything about him mm-hmm. and I kept wondering what happened to him when he went home I was curious about that for for both the the other two the whole time but we get some answers for Yelka but yeah none for him mm-hmm. so I thought that was that was curious but I guess it fits because they ultimately leave a lot of that that side of the plot to a mystery even though we do kind of see what happens to them it's still so vague so and i'm very curious i kept being curious and i kept waiting and kind of gripping onto any little piece they would give us about the center this mysterious organization that was uh uh like i guess paying for their expedition mm-hmm. and yeah after they came back uh they started being super uncommunicative 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 there you go. <laughs> yeah, with Miri and uh, Yelka's sister, uh, Una, I think it was. And, and then eventually they just kind of disconnect their calls overall and delete their website and disappear. Mm-hmm. And they kind of leave hints of maybe they maybe they were lying to these this group and they're sending them down there to explore this creature that they encounter. But it's it's never really made, made clear if it was just like an accident or... I thought it was more um, that... Uh... It seemed like they were, because they talked about um, 
Leah talked about that book she read when she was a kid about how they like sent people down into the ocean to like be like isolated and like like see like what would happen with them mm-hmm. and, like I thought that's more what they were doing like they just wanted to see what would happen to people like that deep in the ocean yeah I thought that's what they said that they were doing originally for like the three week thing no they sent them down there to to explore that's what they understood that they were there to do oh yeah oh I don't know then they were down there to like to like see what life was down there and stuff so you're saying you think the center sent them down there and then purposely like disconnected all their power? Well, that's what was implied. Oh, I don't know. I thought maybe the the creature was the one that took away the power. Oh, I don't think so. That's not what I got at all. Because it wasn't. In, it was kind of the creature that I thought released them in the end. I don't think so. Well, either way, they do leave it so vague. It's hard to. It's hard to really know. But I was intrigued by the the center, whatever that would be. I think that. Um... Yeah, it says right here that um, Mateo, as the chief engineer, and I, as part of a small team of biologists conducting species inventories and studying certain proteins present in the bloodstreams of cold water fish. Hmm. That's what they were there for. Yeah, but they say as they uh, as they sink down there, that nothing seemed to be wrong. Everything was everything was in order with the ship, but for whatever reason, just it had no propulsion. And also the communication got turned off. Yeah, and the communication. But they said that it seemed like it got switched off on purpose. That's true. But that, again, I wondered, because almost immediately they start hearing the sound of the, the creature outside their ship. Not the voice, but the sound. But it was also the fact that the the center, uh, you know, didn't even tell anyone that they were missing for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, just told their family that they were extending the trip. It Like, it seemed more like they weren't panicked. Like, this, they are, always knew that it was going to happen. Yeah, I, I thought that was just the perspective that they were giving because they didn't know what was going on. And they also, they also brought up the fact that um, the ship was, like, stocked with tons and tons of food. Like, way more than they would have needed for three weeks. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I did think it was interesting. interesting. Maybe, like, halfway through the book. Miri uh, revealed that she thought it was just by choice that they stayed all that time, the six months. Even after Leah had come back, she was like, I don't know why she would cho- choose to to leave and not warn me ahead of time. I was like, oh, I I thought that she must have known that something went wrong. But Well, it's, it seemed like they just didn't talk about it at all. Yeah, or much of anything, really. Mm-hmm. And what did you think about the, the Miri character? We've been talking a little bit about Leah there. Well... Like I said, I felt like she was very much like a kind of passive observer. Um, but she had a lot of interesting insights, I thought. Um, but I would also say that um, the the two narrative voices felt very similar to me. Mm. Like, I would have liked them to have more of a distinct tone. Yeah, I think the the actions of the character were quite different. But I do think that the in terms of the way they were written, mm-hmm. they sounded very similar. Yeah, yeah, and I'll just say uh, uh, from the start, I, I'm not, I'm not really a fan of the first-person perspective for, for writing. It makes sense in the the Leah side of things, mm-hmm. where it becomes clear that she was this is a note, or at least like a, a little piece that she was writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I didn't realize until the end. I a couple times she made reference like if anyone's reading this, and I was like, wait, is this supposed to be a book she's writing? Like, what's going on? So it definitely wasn't the side for for Miri. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, sometimes I find first-person perspective a little alienating, which I think is the exact opposite of what it's meant to do. Yeah, I'm not always a big fan of first-person either, but I think it was fine for this book. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But I definitely spent a lot of time kind of delving into Miri's mind, and I don't know, the more I got to know her throughout the book, the more I started to be like, yeah, she seems, like, fairly unlikable, this, this lead here. I mean, she's... Maybe it's unfair because we're just seeing her at a super negative time in her life. Yeah. When everything's kind of falling apart. But the way she talks about her friends and, you know, her her, her family too, I was just like, man, she just seems like she's you know, really, really an un- unhappy and unpleasant type of person. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that, but you also can't really judge because, yeah, like, of course she's going to seem unhappy because she is in that moment. Yeah, and some of the bitterness could come from at least... Uh, from the sense that she got that like a lot of her friends 
and, and Carmen in particular, didn't really seem to have like much respect for her in her relationship to some degree. Like they would almost like demean the fact that she was in a relationship with another woman. Mm -hmm. Not intentionally. It was just kind of like like they would say like, oh, you guys are so similar. You're like sisters or things like that. Mm -hmm. I think Una at one point when she first meets her is like, your wife, oh, do you call her your wife? And all those little things all kind of eat away at her a little bit too. Mm -hmm. Adding to that kind of bitter edge. But it's also that when uh, everything's going wrong with, with Leah, she doesn't have anyone to open up to, even her best friend. She doesn't tell her that anything's wrong at all. It's just kind of living in that, that isolation. And I thought that was unfortunate and not too. Just, not just that, but, you know the the lack of the lack of action i mean i just don't understand why she would choose not to you know go take Leah to the hospital <laughs> like yeah that did get quite frustrating near the end especially when she decided for no apparent reason to force her to go to the park mm -hmm. she was like nope you're going you're coming with me it's just what feels right to me and that turned out to be a big kind of fuck up on her part and I was like, yeah, you couldn't have done this to take her to a hospital. It's, really, it's the park that the, uh... <laughs> but I felt like, um... You know, a lot of it was kind of resentment towards her because she... Yeah. At the point that she came home, she had already kind of, um... Like, grieved her and started to move on and accepted that she was dead. And then, all of a sudden, she comes back, but she's not, like, actually back because she's so different. Mm -hmm. So, I feel like... You know, maybe part of her was almost just, like, waiting for her to actually die or just go away in some way. It was like she didn't really... Almost she didn't even want her to be back. Yeah. Or she didn't want her to be back if she wasn't the way that she remembered her. Yeah, in, in some ways it's fair. I mean, I mean, she comes back, she's, she's like, somewhat nonverbal. She doesn't really... She's bleeding all over the place all the time. I mean, that's just... That's super unpleasant. But there's also a huge lack of empathy. Yes. Yeah, which I find Miri displays throughout the book mm -hmm. to just about everyone. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, no, it definitely did bother me. And she kept calling the center over and over again. And it was just like, like she knew it wasn't doing anything. She was just doing it out of habit, too. Mm -hmm. That's around the point where that stuff just started continuing and continuing in the middle of the book where I started to be like, yeah, we're not really getting much change here. And like you said, it, I think it was intentional to have the, the repetition mm -hmm. to kind of sink in. But what did you think about, this is kind of just like a random side point, but I thought it was really interesting um, how she was talking about when Leah was gone. She was like looking up all those different kinds of forums and there was the the forum where the wives pretend that their husbands are like astronauts that went out into space. No, that stuff I was definitely, yeah, I, my, my attention perked up during all that. Like, so it was like a, a fun little peek into this subculture that you wouldn't really think about. Like, how strange. <laughs> Why would anyone do that? Yeah, just looking for wanting to be heard from people and maybe putting their, their, their sadness into this fictional story that can make it seem like it makes more sense. Mm -hmm. I like the little side tangent that she found about some people like bickering about their... Like, oh, your, your story's too fantastical. You need to ground it more like an admin had to step in yeah and i thought it was funny how she was just kind of like it's like if you if you hate your husband so much why are you imagining them in the first place yeah but she never i don't think she sent that one i don't think she sent any no it was just things that she was thinking yeah, and she would like type out little little messages that she was gonna send but then delete them because you know she's so stuck in mm -hmm. not taking any actions even to help herself but it was also interesting because you know, that would be, like, the closest thing to what she was experiencing. Yeah. Yeah, and I, like I said, it was fun to peek into those little, like, subgroups of all the little little trauma groups, but that one in particular is just kind of something that I wouldn't really... Like, I know those things exist, but I've never, like, looked at what the communities are for them. Or, so, so that was a fun little, little piece that I liked looking into. And, uh, you know, I also thought it was interesting how she mentioned a couple times like because she was so scared of you know like getting getting sick like mentally and having Leah have to like deal with her and take care of her and 
how like those she always had those fears and it never occurred to her that like the opposite could happen mm -hmm. yeah and i wondered if that was another display of her lack of empathy because in some ways yeah maybe she was just worried that if she got that sick that you know people would want to help her because she doesn't really want to help yeah like when, when her mom was getting sick too it seemed like i mean i think she said that she was present like trying to take care of her but she didn't really seem like she was present. It seemed like she was just doing it by... Obligation. Yeah. Kind of like how she brings... Like how she'd wake up in the morning and bring Leah the the flannels, I think she said, or tissues for, mm -hmm. for her to wipe up the blood. But she was just doing it because she had to do it, not because she wanted to help or anything. But it's about, you know, it's like the... Um, I can imagine a really difficult thing to deal with is this kind of, like, anticipation of loss. Like, you know it's coming and you're just waiting for it to happen. And it's mm -hmm. you know it's unfortunate that that had to happen to her twice yeah especially to a, to a hypochondriac who mm -hmm. always be worrying about themselves then seeing it happen around you would probably make you even more worried that's going to happen to you so <laughs> and i thought that um the way that she described like just like the the setting of the the house versus the inside of the submarine were both kind of like um interesting like parallel to each other because they were both kind of like small and sad and claustrophobic spaces yeah i was definitely feeling the the claustrophobic element from both sides which i thought was nice and the 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 neighbor's tv was an interesting aspect as well yeah yeah i, I guess i could see a little bit of that connected to the voice they hear later exactly yeah and the story in the submarine yeah yeah and for switching back to the leah side of things a little bit I like how, because with the Mary, she's spending so much time just kind of focused on how she interacts with the, the relationships of people around her, mm -hmm. whether it's her friends or, or Leah. But on the other side of the plot, we see a lot of fixation on just kind of Leah's interests and the interests on specifically centered on the ocean. And I thought a lot of that stuff was, was really fun, seeing all the bits of sea life. And yeah, I thought it was cool how much she loved the ocean, and um, I really liked the story about her relationship with the with the octopus or whatever when she was a teenager. Mm -hmm. What did you think? Yeah, about worked that? in an aquarium. Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was cute, and I I like the way that they because there's a big element to the, element of this book that focuses on romance. I like how they melded that with uh, an early girlfriend of Leah's. How she like snuck her in at night, and they had like a wonderful night in the aquarium until they discovered that the octopus died. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mixing the sad and the the sweet together. I thought that was a uh, great little encapsulation of that yeah and the part where um mary like imagined that somehow if she had been the girlfriend the octopus wouldn't have died yeah i actually found that distasteful <laughs> it was it was interesting because i think it kind of just added to her overall kind of like selfish character traits yeah i was like oh of course you take this sweet little story and you you rub out the other girl put yourself in and then rub out the sad ending <laughs> <laughs> but I like the way that she went and she found like that postcard with the octopus on it, and Lee always brought yeah. it with her whenever she went. Yeah, I, I thought that was sweet too, and I even thought it was funny because it was almost like Mary was like, "Like, look, I can try to be sweet too." <laughs> mm -hmm. And and kind of about that, and just like the the romance, I thought that you know it was interesting how you know Leah once she's back just seems you know so out of it and just like not there and gone but when you get to the end of the the book you see that you know she's she's thinking about and looking forward to being back with mary as she's like like ascending yeah so you kind of wonder like like where's the disconnect there like what happened between when she started going up and when she got home yeah, well, because they kind of they kind of hint that some of this, or at least that Miri suspects that some of this has to do with decompression sickness. Mm -hmm. So maybe it just took a little while. And I think Liam was in like quarantine. Yeah. With the center, so maybe in that time she wrote her side of the story. And yeah, I think they said that like they didn't even tell her they were back for like the first two weeks or something. Yeah, super scummy. <laughs> yeah, and this this center is just this kind of mysterious organization that just kind of disappears yeah that's why i thought maybe they had something to do with that undersea thing like they're 
doing experiments to see, okay, what happened to these people having contact but, with that thing? But they couldn't have known that it was down there because it was the first time anyone ever went that deep. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But either way, I, I am, I'm definitely curious still about the, the center thing, and I'm curious if there was little, like, hidden bits in it that maybe I just wasn't paying enough attention to that would paint a little bit more of a story for them. Mm -hmm. But since you mentioned uh, that little story with the octopus, there was a couple little interesting stories um, I think it was Miri that brought up one of uh, a woman who thought that she had cancer, but it turned out that she just ate some undercooked squid a few nights before, mm -hmm. and the squid eggs had, like, settled in her, and yeah, I thought that was a disturbing little little story there, too. I like yeah. that. Yeah, that one was, was creepy, definitely. I wrote that one down in my notes, too. Yeah, I like that little piece of horror. Yeah. And then one that... The one that was a little piece of horror for me, just because there was so much blood talk at the front of this book. They're talking about a wedding that Miri and uh, Leah went to, and like this one bridesmaid who put a lot into the wedding. She she was really trying to make it great, and then just got like completely just like bitched out by the the bride for having a like a heavy period on the day of the wedding. <laughs> it like stained the dress, and so that that tied into like oh god, so much blood talk at the top of this. But then also like Miri. I think was like making some like mean jokes about her and then once Leah realized how much it was like affecting her she went out there and tried to help her so I thought that was another good little sign up for, or a nice little uh, display between the two of them to show how different they are in that kind of situation because mm -hmm. Leah's so so empathetic whereas yeah Mary just or Miri just lacks so much of it yeah and it was interesting the um the, like the different kind of combination of genres in this book because for the most part i guess it was just like a literary novel but there was mm -hmm. also like a lot of um like very like like subtle horror to it which is interesting yeah yeah because up front i was like okay i know i'm you know disturbed by all this this talk of you know bleeding out of the the pores in the face in particular that one was the one that was just like oh god i can't imagine mm -hmm. someone's face just like speckled with but just because of my my hemophobia but i did like the way that they as it went on the more horror elements started to be more revealed mm -hmm. so i thought that was that was nice i like that do you think that if miri had been more like attentive or like asked more questions and stuff like maybe uh, what happened to Leah wouldn't have happened. Like, I don't know. Like, because because Mary was so passive and kind of just, mm -hmm. like, let everything happen. Like, I wonder what would have happened if if she'd acted differently. Yeah, no, I was thinking about that, too, and I wondered if maybe that's part of whatever metaphor they're, they're going for there with that relationship. Well, I mean, I do think, like, the general... Um, the general, like, kind of, uh, I don't know if I would say metaphor, but it's kind of just, like, exploring, like, when is the right time to start grieving someone, right? Like, when, like, when, when should you just let go of someone? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how that works with her inaction. And also, not just, like, grieving um like literal loss but also just like the the kind of like like pain and sadness of growing apart from someone that you love mm -hmm. just you know the realizing that the person that you love isn't who they are anymore yeah yeah i know um miri also spends a lot of time focusing on like if leah knew that this you know taking this job was gonna create so much distance between us like how could she do that to me it was so selfish but Leah just that's like her her biggest passion maybe even a bigger passion than their their marriage and so like yeah like is it fair to be like how dare you try to pursue this when you knew it might come between us mm -hmm. yeah and there's a lot of just thoughts on um selfishness when it comes to love and relationships like when Mary talks about the fact that she always used to hope that she'd die before her yeah. partner so that she didn't have to to deal with the grief but i mean i think that's a pretty human uh human hope mm -hmm. you know like don't we all kind of hope that yeah definitely because <laughs> who, who who wants that who wants to be like the person that's left behind right yeah and one of the nice things with miri is she does seem 
fairly self-aware about, you know, her her failings mm -hmm. as a person, <laughs> and so that made it that made her more easy to di to digest, I think. Yeah, I mean, if she was just that kind of unpleasant without any sort of self-reflection, I think it would have made it more difficult for me mm -hmm. to get on board with her. Well, but in the vein of those other two little little stories I mentioned with the, the octopus and the wedding, mm -hmm. there's also kind of one of the only pieces of Mateo that we, we see. He mentions this fishing trip that he had with his dad when he was young. That really meant a lot with him. It was ice fishing. And th this is actually a really weird bit, and I wasn't sure what it was supposed to mean, or it made his character seem kind of stupid. <laughs> But he realized partway through on the, the, the fishing trip that he had frostbite on two of his fingers. And he was fully aware of it. And he, he, he just decided, okay, I'm just going to cover this up. I'm not going to tell my dad. And I'm just enjoying the trip too much. And then when he got back, he ended up having the two fingers amputated. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what that's supposed to tell me about Mateo. That he was willing to lose two fingers just because he was enjoying a fishing trip. But I thought it was a nice story. It was. I thought it was interesting, but I just thought that was weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it is just kind of an interesting thing to think about because uh, most people obviously wouldn't do that, but on a smaller scale, people do that kind of thing all the time. You know, like uh, I think it was just supposed to say something about like being willing to 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 suffer through something because you don't want to. To ruin the moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I guess holding on to something that you're enjoying, even though you know it's hurting you in the end. Exactly. Yeah. But it was an interesting, interesting story. Definitely stuck out that little bit, just like those other two, mm -hmm. and the aquarium one. All those little nice little asides. And a lot of this book is kind of built on those little moments like that because, yeah, during the story itself, not a lot is actually happening plot-wise. Mm -hmm. So, so it's nice to have those moments that stand out in your mind to, to keep carrying you along. And like the support groups, a little subsection, which I was very interested in. Even though it really didn't add all that much, I think it, it did add in its way. I think it did add a lot. Yeah, I mean more plot-wise. But it was not really a plot-based book. Yeah. It was like a character-based book, right? Mm-hmm. And it was more, I mean, the whole, the whole narrative was very like introspective right yeah like it was mostly about like exploring the themes in the book rather than what actually happened yeah and i think in that way it's good that the book is the length that it is i think if it went on for too much longer mm -hmm. it could start to you know lose me even more yeah some books like this can definitely be like overly self-indulgent but i feel like this one um like was about the right length for what it was yeah i definitely agree and, and it helped with the pacing too I felt like things are always moving pretty quick. Mm -hmm. I never got like too bogged down at one point of view for too long. So that was nice. And I wanted to ask what you thought about, um, what's her name, Jelka? Um, yeah, yep. I think it was Yelka, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't even have the word in front of me, so I was just trying to remember. Yeah, because I think they said it as silent, or the J was sound like a Y, I think they said. Oh, okay. But I was just wondering, like, like it gets to the point in the book where she like basically commits suicide and I was wondering like what you thought about that or like do you think she was even trying to commit suicide that's the thing is I'm not sure if she understood what the voice was telling telling them or not mm -hmm. but it seemed like she knew what they were becoming and decided to embrace it whereas the only reason that um, Leah didn't is because she wanted to see Mary and give her that little little bit but I think at a certain point, she knew what they'd become, too. While she was down there still? I don't think she knew when the, while they were down there, no. Hmm. But you think that Yoko just was like, yeah, okay, I'll just do that? Yeah, that's that's the best I can come up with. I was I was definitely questioning it myself, though, for a while. Because mm -hmm. she was the one that, I guess, decided to speak to. Although, although for she spent so much time like trying to reject it and protect... Leah, especially with the little St. Augustine guy. Mm -hmm. So, see, I don't know. I, Yeah, I started to be a little bit confused when things started moving pretty fast at the end there. Yeah. Right around the time when they encounter the creature. And I was hoping that um, the introducing her sister would maybe give us some more insight onto what was going on there, but 
it was more just a way for Miri to have a support that she could actually turn to since she never felt comfortable turning to her best friend about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that worked. I, I liked a lot of their exchanges. Her and, uh, I think it was Una. I didn't write it down, so I can't remember that name for sure. And what about, like, um, when they were underwater and they just started kind of getting, like, confused and disoriented and, like, losing their their memories to a degree and stuff like that? I was mm -hmm. wondering, like, do you think that that was because of, like, the depth that they were at was getting to their heads? Or do you think it was just a side effect of the isolation? I, I think it was both. Yeah. Yeah? I think the depth that they were at was so alienating. Like, it was just like they were stuck in this space that, you know, it was almost like they were in a void. But I'm asking if you think it was, like, a physical thing or a mental thing? Hmm. Like, do you think it was a physical side effect of being at such a... Uh, such a low depth or do you think it was just the the mental side effects of being so isolated and alone i would say for what they give us in the book it sounds more like it was a the isolation mm -hmm. element but i would think being at that the, the pressure down there for so long i think would start to just yeah really fuck with you mm -hmm. um, but with the the fixation on the kind of ocean life side of the leah plot i did like that they kept emphasizing the uh, the element of all of sea life, and to a further extent all life, still carries that piece of the ocean in them, mm -hmm. and that they're made up of the ocean. So I thought that that worked well for where it ended up in the end. Yeah, and I think they did a good job setting the seeds with um, the fact that she, like, basically stopped eating any food. She would like only drink water if it had salt in it, mm -hmm. and she was always hanging out in seawater. Mm -hmm. Her skin turning transparent. I think I think that side of the mystery I started to relatively early on be like okay it seems like she's you know like turning into turning into water or something or well I thought that she would just be turning into like just like some kind of sea creature in general like I thought it was interesting that the outcome was that she literally just turned into the ocean yeah I think once her face started like kind of falling apart a little mm -hmm. bit I started to be like oh it seems like she Yes, turning into water. But I think that was interesting. Um, I'm not fully sure what they were saying with that necessarily, focusing on the element of the fact that we're all from the sea in our way and still carried in us. And yeah, that creature, I guess, made her become the sea. Well, the question is, did the creature make her become the sea? Or did she just become the sea and the creature was just there? Yeah, just like a witness. They, ne they, never, they never specifically said that the creature was even part of it other than the fact that it was just there yeah it, i guess that's fair it it could very well be that the, the out that just being down in the water for that long makes you turn into the ocean yeah i guess i guess i, I don't know I, I just thought since they you know spent that time focusing on the creature that it would have had some effect but it could have just been there as, yeah, but, another observer. Mm -hmm. uh, and, I mean, that is an interesting way to think about it, too, because, like, the reason, at least to their understanding, that they went down there was to observe. So to think that it ended up being they were the ones that were being observed. And, you know, a lot of the time they also felt disappointed because they felt like they couldn't see any life out there, and that was the whole reason they were down there. But to think that, you know... It was the center, and it was that creature observing them and seeing what happened to them that was ultimately what happened. Yeah, and this is this is a side trail. I'm sure you won't have anything to say about this, but me and Isaac a few years ago reviewed a comic called uh, uh, Justice League: The New Frontier, and they have a creature in it called the Center, and this creature with a giant eye, and in some way feeling like it's close to creation in some way deep down in the ocean and then at least in my opinion had that effect on these people it was making me think of that that creature at the center mm -hmm. and so i was tying in like and maybe that's why i was tying in the, the organization to the creature itself just because of that comic connection but <laughs> but i did wish that we got a little bit more description of it rather than just you know it had this this giant eye and its body was so big that it filled all the you know all the view around them I wish we got a little bit more there, because I couldn't really picture what the body was. I always pictured it as like a giant octopus. 
okay. Mm. That's just how I pictured it. It's not that they said that or anything, but that's immediately what I pictured, is that it was just like a really, really large octopus. And for whatever reason, I pictured it with bioluminescence. I don't think they say that. No, because it was pitch black down there. I just pictured it as... So they would have seen if there was, like, light, right? That's why I figured they could see it so well, because that it was... But I thought the reason they could see it is because the lights came back on. Well, that's true, yeah, I guess. It didn't... Leah... It was, they implied that it was there the whole time, but they couldn't see it the whole time. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, I guess it was there the whole time. And... Which makes it more creepy. And uh, I kind of forgot about this until right now where I'm seeing it in my annotations, but right when they were able to see that and right before they started, like, ascending back to the surface... It said, like, I passed my hand over the panel, the small etched image of an eye, which was not the center's logo, which not, did not appear to stand for anything. Like, but the ship had, like, the, the picture of the eye there. Hmm. Yeah, I remember them mentioning that, and I just kind of glossed over it. Mm -hmm. I was, like, confused for a moment and then continued on. But that does imply maybe more what you were saying, that this center did somehow know about that creature. Or, I mean, we don't find out much about the creature. Maybe somehow, in some way, the center was the creature. Yeah, yeah it could be. Right? Because we didn't even learn much about who they were. Yeah. Yeah, which I think works. I, I don't mind that it left it so ambiguous in the end. Yeah. I feel that anything that she could have come up with to truly explain it wouldn't have felt right. Yeah. And the story wasn't really about that mystery. That mystery was just kind of the... Exactly. Like the carrot that they dangle us along with as we yeah, delve in the grief. I feel like if they, you know, turned it around and been like, it turns out the center was doing this and this and this, you know, it, and it was like this big twist ending, I feel like it would have felt kind of cheap. Yeah, the we're running out of waters in the ocean and the center is turning people into water. <laughs> to, uh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden it would have turned into like schlock when it was like a... Like a beautiful kind of just like introspective story about like grief yeah sounds like us the jordan peele movie yeah sometimes sometimes they just <laughs> they just try too hard to make it like shocking when it should have just been thoughtful yeah which i feel this book was very thoughtful yeah no definitely um yeah, i'm trying to think if there's any other little moments that that really stood out for me uh, do you have any other ones I'm just looking through my, my annotations. And with uh, just briefly on Carmen, while you're looking at that, mm -hmm. um, I liked, because there was a couple times when, you know, Carmen, even though Miri didn't tell her almost anything about what was going on, she could sense, like, oh, it seems like you're having some problems at home, you seem distant. And then she would try to compare it with her, you know, ex-boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And every time she did it, it would really piss Miri off. She wouldn't say anything, but she'd internally just be dismissive and kind of mean. Mm -hmm. And I like that later in the book, she kind of realized, you know, like, oh, that's just her way of connecting. Like, why didn't I reach out and try to, you know, let her in? Yeah. So I thought that was an interesting thing to, you know, just to highlight. Because she just seemed to not really like Carmen, but it wasn't about Carmen. It was about her. Yeah. You know? But one thing that I wanted to, to mention... Um, so I liked kind of um, very close to the end of the book, they put in like, uh, from Miri's perspective, like, oh, like, here are like all the like different like other things that were going on that just like weren't in the book, you know, and she put like some more happy kind of memories. Mm, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I thought that was kind of a nice thing to add in because it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have fit with the, the, uh the feeling of the book to actually have that stuff in there but to throw it in at the end like there were there were good things going on we just didn't mention them yeah it was kind of nice. yeah i thought it was smart to put that where they put it too and to have that kind of tagged in there yeah and i could picture it so well as like a little montage at the end if it was a movie you know mm. yeah i feel like this book would be interesting as a movie do you think so yeah no, I could see it working. I, th I think it could be, like, a nice kind of, like, artsy movie, you know? Yeah. For whatever reason, I'm thinking of, um... Oh, what was that Denis Villeneuve movie with, uh, Amy Adams? Arrival. Arrival. I could see it in that kind of tone. Yeah, I think it definitely has, like... Can definitely be comparable to that and to, um, Annihilation in some ways. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that, too. 
Oh, another nice little little detail that I liked um, near the end as well. Leah was kind of fixating on how she always felt a comfort in learning facts and reciting them to herself. I think that was right around when she was confronting the creature and seeing it. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was an interesting trait and you know one that I maybe share myself. Just like, yeah, what is it really adding to your life learning these facts? What is it really accomplish? But for whatever reason, it brings me some sort of comfort. I like the way that um, when Leah was in the submarine and she was telling stories to the people she was with, they were kind of like, they stopped her and they were like, why are you like over explaining this? Like, we know this, this is our job. And she realized that like, she was just so used to always thinking about things in a way that would make her stories more, make more sense specifically to Miri, which I thought was sweet. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of sweet little details, which really make this book uh, come to life in that way. Mm -hmm. So I definitely like that. And uh, the way the book ended, like one of one of the very last lines from Leah's perspective when they were like ascending up was when she was like, she just thought to herself about Miri and it says, and I waited for the ocean to end. And I think that's yeah. an interesting way to end her story, seeing as she turned into the ocean. Yeah, it was almost like she fell of love with it after all that. Yeah. And then how sad that, yeah, she became it <laughs> after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I also thought that was quite a good ending. Uh, but where else, where else do we have to go? Do we feel like we've kind of rounded out our, our notes there? I think so. Uh, also, just kind of on the same vein of what we were just talking about, this other line I've highlighted where she said, we surfaced, of course, this is something to remember. I thought that was interesting, too, because... Uh, if she still has some kind of consciousness as the ocean, like, that's interesting. Like, for something to her to remember, like, like she was in the ocean for so long and she became the ocean. But there was, like, an in-between where she she left the ocean. Yeah, I did wonder if she was aware when she turned into the water. Like, or, like... I don't know. There's not really any grounds to think this, other than the fact that the story was kind of being told from present tense from her perspective in some ways. But it almost makes you wonder if uh, she, it, she joined some kind of like collective consciousness. Hmm. Yeah, that's what made it too bad that whatever time that she was still aware enough to write this whole thing down, and that Miri just missed it, probably by a short amount of time. By the time she finally got her back, she was too far gone. It's possible that she didn't, that Miri found it after the book ended, though. Uh, what, found which part? It's possible that she found, like, the, the, the written whatever it was that Leah wrote. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure Una gave it to her. Oh, right, right, you're right. She was like, I was going to give it to you when we first met. I forgot about that. Yeah, I just mean she, she had a chance to almost see her wife when she was still her wife, in a way. Mm-hmm. At least still had that enough presence of mind and just missed it but we don't know she could have like you said it could have been from specifically from ascending so it could have been by the time she got out of the water she was already kind of gone yeah but she seemed to have some lucid moments even with mary when she was back at home yeah and it's sad to think that maybe she held on for as long as she could just for mary yeah but then holding on is what just soured there soured the dynamic so badly yeah like Mary was kind of feeling like you know if you're gonna go like just go yeah <laughs> which I, I mean I can understand that perspective especially because she had already grieved her the first time yeah yeah and I do like the uh kind of unglamorized look at someone dealing with a loved one who's just so deteriorated by disease mm -hmm, because you always want to think you know you're gonna be like, so loving and so caring, but, I mean, the reality is you're gonna, you're gonna just be exhausted of the whole thing. Yeah, you can only experience that kind of trauma for so long, mm -hmm. or just, yeah, eats away at you and makes you resent the person. Mm -hmm. Just sad. And what did you think about how it kind of came around where um, she ended up bringing Leah, like, to her mom's house? Yeah, I thought that was a fitting way to go, because I remember she was saying, that when her mom was deteriorating, she always wanted Leah to be there with her to help her through it, but she just couldn't open up and let her. And so, yeah, it was nice to, to kind of end that way. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was, I was curious when the mom, mom died. It seemed like it was relatively recent, maybe within like a few years. It was definitely when, I think when they were together. 
Yeah. But I think she said that Leah never met her mom, so. Yeah, she, like, wouldn't let her. It was probably, like, right when they first got together. Yeah. And it's sad that she basically just repeated the same mistake and just not letting anyone in and dealing with that kind of suffering all on her own. Mm -hmm. And now, like, how hard will it be to explain to all their, their friends and family that she's just, like, dead when they thought she was just, like, at home all that time recovering? Yep, talking about it, talk about making it so much worse for yourself. Mm -hmm. to... And not that she is dead, I guess, you could, you could if, depending on how you look at it, but, you know, gone. Yeah. Would definitely tell my friends and relatives that she's dead. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to explain that. Yeah, how could you? <laughs> but uh, they're definitely... I want to say there was almost like an aspect of magical realism in the way that she just kind of like accepted what was going on. Mm-hmm. Like, because in, in a normal world, like if that was happening, you'd be scared or shocked, but it was more like she almost like expected it and like she didn't find it like overly weird. It felt like yeah i thought that was an element of her just being so numb to it and just trying to yeah. just get through it and also just having no explanation i mean it was she she could have gone to the hospital and maybe that would have helped but mm -hmm. constantly trying to reach out to the center for an answer was really her only way to yeah and i mean know. the hospital probably wouldn't have done much let's be real yeah i mean what could you do yeah, yeah. but early on you know when someone's just constantly bleeding you'd think that you'd mm -hmm. force them to go to the hospital exactly but yeah no i definitely thank you for the uh the book selection uh i definitely enjoyed this one yeah i did too it was it was a very uh, like sad kind of melancholy story it was quite yeah pretty. um and i i thought it was very romantic in some ways yeah i i think there was a number of of, of sweet romance moments my only downside was I was like, oh no, Leah, you're, you're pairing up with someone who isn't, you know, <laughs> maybe that's just my, my negativity towards Miri, but. I guess, um, I would say, like, overall, it felt very romantic because it was about such a, uh, like a melancholy but romantic notion of, like, lovers drifting apart from each other. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's kind of weird to describe that as romantic, but. I do think, like, in some ways, like, the end of a relationship can be very romantic, depending on, like, how it's portrayed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I liked, I liked the reflections in seeing their relationship, how it developed. Mm-hmm. And I liked the, the point of view of, of this lesbian couple, in particular from Yuri's point of view, and just seeing all the kind of subtle, subtle ways that she felt disrespected by the, the people around her mm -hmm. because of that. I thought they did a good job illustrating that there as well. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that, you know, the the fact that it was, like, a very, like, sapphic love story, um, like, I don't think if it was, like, a, like a, a man and a woman, it would have been impactful in the same way. Like, I think, I feel like the, the two perspectives just both felt so feminine. And I just couldn't picture either of the perspectives from a male perspective, and I just don't think that it would have had the same impact. Hmm. No, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Yeah, it made sense in that regard. Do you think that it could have been a good book if it was written, um, like, with different kinds of characters? Like, if it was written from a man and a woman or two men or something like that? I mean, it would be very different. It's a very different book. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It could still be a good book, but yeah, it'd be quite different. A very different lens, I would think. But isn't it interesting that just, like, because, you know, you always want to think that relationships are relationships when they're just, like, a very human thing, but, like, the, the lens of, like, the type of relationship it is would make such a big difference at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's about all I've got for this one. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so so thank you again for for the book selection. I'm looking forward to whatever else you're gonna pull out of your hat to, in the future there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I definitely recommend this book if anyone is still listening who hasn't read it and has had themselves spoiled. I still think it'd be enjoyable even if you've been spoiled at this point, because <laughs> the mystery is really only 
like I said, just a carrot dangling you along through the, the kind of sad bits. Yeah, I agree. But also, like, um, I don't know why anyone would listen to a podcast about a book and not expect it there to be spoilers. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but that's why I gave the spoiler warning up front. But... Yeah. I'm just saying, like, what could you say to... How could you discuss a book without spoilers? Like, that would basically just be an ad. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, but yeah, we'll catch them the next time. And uh, would you like to say goodbye, Brianna? Goodbye. Oh, I thought you were going to say goodbye, Brianna. No, I'm not. I'm not that lame. And peace. Peace.